In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly King, Consoler, Spirit of Truth, you who are everywhere present and fill all things, treasury of all that is good, master of life, come dwell within us, cleanse us from all stain, and save our souls, O good one. Mary, cause of our joy, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Now, we're going to start Romans 6. Remember, we finished last time uh, Romans 5, down to the last verse, and it was all about how the statement of how Christ has freed us from all the effects of original sin. The last one to be conquered will be death. When we die and our bodies go into the grave and rot, but our spirits are with God, and one day that body will rise again and will live forever. That's a promise. And the seed of that immortality is the Eucharist. I've quoted that before. In the text of St. Irenaeus, it's impossible that a body that has received the body and blood of Christ be corrupt forever. It's impossible. It must rise again. The Eucharist has touched that body. Well, the Eucharist has to touch the body, but it has to touch the whole person. If people are going to communion, not thinking about it, or in sin, no. It has to be that touching the whole person, not just the physical touch. Otherwise, we used to have this casus conscientiae, this conscience uh, problem. Suppose you're saying Mass and a little mouse comes along and takes the host and runs off and eats it. Does he receive the body and blood of Christ? Of course, that's what it is. Does he receive the sacrament? No. He has no brains. He has no faith. Now you can ask yourself, am I a mouse or a man? What am I doing when I receive this? Am I like the mouse, no brains? Or am I worshipping him, receiving him, loving him, thanking him, rejoicing that he's with me? Or am I watching to see, uh, you know, what color dress she's got on or something? Makes a difference. Am I a mouse or a man? Anyway, this text, you see, we have finished talking about how where grace, where sin abounded, grace abounded more. And so now Paul says, well then, what shall we say then? Let us remain in sin. Now remember that sin is a capital S. huh? Let's remain in that system. Another word for it. The way Paul is using here sin, though he talks about sin in other ways as well, is the way that John talks about cosmos, world. It's the place of refusal and resistance. Trace the history of Europe for the last 500 years or 600 years, and you will see what I mean by refusal and resistance. And the result? Well, look where we are, folks. So, what then shall we say? Shall we remain in this? Of course not. Don't you know that we who died to sin, how can we still live in it? Now, this is going to be good news. This chapter is a key. And it was sort of rediscovered 
in a new way by some of the evangelicals. They they lack the understanding of how intimately it's touched to baptism, though, because they don't have a usually a highly developed sense of sacramentology and the work done by Christ in and through this material gesture. Nevertheless, the point is what? You see, let it, when grace, where sin abounded, grace did more, but then what shall we say? Let us remain in sin, live in this world, with all those things we read about back there in uh, Romans 1, you remember? The, who they are, the, and what they, I don't know if I can find it quickly enough, um, but um, um, where you have all these finally without pity, haters of parents, um, you know, miserable, and all the rest. Let me see if I can't find it quickly. Um, I don't seem to be, well, maybe if I turn back a little more. Uh, yeah. And as they did not see fit to recognize God, God gave them over to an unfit mind to do that which is wrong, filled with every kind of injustice, wickedness, greed, malice, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, malignity, gossip, slanders, inimical to God, insolent, arrogant, boastful. He goes through quite a list. That's us, without the grace of Christ. So when he says here, you see, let us remain in sin, that's what he means. That whole system. What does it produce? As we did just uh, last time we were discussing this, original sin, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to figure out something's wrong with us. Look at the cruelty. Look at the infidelity. Look at the sensuality. Look at the difference between rich and poor. You don't have to be a rocket scientist to figure out there's something wrong with us. Now, if you get very angry and say, I'm going to fix it, watch it. You want to fix it because it bothers you. You want to fix it because it bothers the poor. You want to fix it because it bothers Christ, who said, what you did to the least of my brothers, you do to me. If we're doing cruel and and unjust things to them, we're doing it to Christ. So, if you want to change the world for the love of Christ and the love of people, go right ahead. If you want to do it because you want to fix the thing up for yourself and your self-satisfaction, don't bother. First place, you'll never fix it up. All you do is take the haves and make them have-nots, and the have-nots and make them haves, but nothing changes. It's still an inhuman world. So, when you died to sin, how could we still live in it? Somebody could say, well, what do you mean, die to sin? The big capital S. You know, this is interesting, by the way. This is one of the readings for a funeral mass. When you finally do die to sin completely, you're dead. You can't sin anymore. But the people who practice in this world, they go right from here to heaven. Because they're dying to sin, this force. Or are you unaware, and what is the transition? That we who were baptized into Christ's death, into Christ Jesus, were baptized into his death. What a thrill. You see what he's going to start telling us? And we'll pick, take, I don't think we'll, well, we might finish. Um, 
there is a force in us greater than this force of sin which is all around us and in which we participate. And what is that force which is greater? The indwelling Christ, fixed in the act of love in which he died, into which we are plunged in baptism. It's a sacrament, it's not a ceremony. Are you unaware that we who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? So then, we were buried with him through baptism into death, so that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, the kavod of the Father, we too might also walk in newness of life. What happened to Christ happens to us. In us, it's two stages. First, we die to sin. And then we live a new life. Then we die to the body. And then we live a new life with that too. Forever. A new life. We will be raised from the dead. Just as Christ was raised for the glory, so we too, by that same glory, walk in a newness of life. Now, the model is baptism of an adult. Okay, what about infants? From the earliest days, they baptized infants. But, just as you have to have a preparation, in the early church, you know, the preparation for baptism took years. Took years, maybe two or three years, of just learning what the moral demands of the Word of God are. No, 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 you've got to stay with your own wife. You can't steal. You can't pay somebody to kill somebody. You can't do those things. That's not the will of God. Because the Holy Spirit is working in them. That's right, that's right, that's right. Then, when they're ready, you see, they're, they go to the group for Lent. And the bishop himself, every morning during Lent, in those cultures where you could do this kind of thing, he gave a class from 6 to 9, every morning during Lent. Why 6 to 9? Well, to see who's going to show up. Who's serious about this? Of course, in that in the Mediterranean culture, everybody's up by six. The sun's up. I mean, everybody's up. But for and then for another couple of years, or at least for the forty days of Lent for this final process, you're trained on what it means to live like a Christian and renounce sin. That's why even today we have those um, exorcisms. They're pretty tame. The ones we have in the the rite of initiation of adults. No, they're pretty, pretty tame. They're still prayers, and they work. But there was a rite, there was a, you know, of, of exorcism, an old-fashioned rite, and sometimes you still have to use it to get people rid, free of demonic uh, activity. Now, maybe not possession so much as deliverance from being yielding to demons and getting your patterns of life and your patterns of thought your patterns of feelings, all dictated by sin with a capital S, son. Sin with a capital S is that whole system. You see, where there's darkness, you see, where there's rebellion against God, where there's cruelty, you see, the whole military-industrial complex, the whole economic complex, the whole world, you know, I'm a New Yorker. When I was young, I used to work in a department store in New York. And I was amazed of the hardness of some people. Not everybody. People came in 
I wish I was as soft. But other people came in and you say, what the heck is wrong with them? You know? That's sin. And so, it's a long process. We too might walk in newness of life. A new life. Whatever happened to you? I got baptized. You mean you went through that whole two and a half, three year process? Yeah. It was great. They started off reading from this book, Sirach, which is on how to live, right from the Old Testament. You don't ever get too fancy. There it is. That's why it's called the Ecclesiastical Book. The other name for it, Ecclesiasticus, is it's the Ecclesiastical. It was one of the basic primers of how to live. God already taught the Jews that. So why don't we learn it? You see? And so, uh, if we become vital sharers with him by the likeness of his death, then certainly we will be vital sharers of the resurrection. Now this is amazing, isn't it? That he's saying this. I'm just going to, uh, you see, we're symphiti by the likeness. Of, what's the likeness of his death? Baptism. He descended into the grave. We descend into the water. That's the likeness of his death. And because it is, and because he instituted this, that likeness of his death, when we sink into the water, gives us life. We're bound to Christ. If we are bound to Christ, we are alive. So we will be vital sharers of the resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man was co-crucified. And we're going to take that part up after the break, uh, because it's so important. You see, this is Paul telling us what baptism is all about.